Sox fans, are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast with your hosts, Mike Walters and Eddie Jones. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Jones. And we're going to get you guys caught up on all the action this last week. Uh, the Ducks came out swinging, uh, winning a couple games, and then uh, losing to the Wild uh, this past weekend, unfortunately. So we're going to talk about all of that. we got some injury news to get you caught up on, some line, uh, lineup changes, uh, some stuff with the goals, uh, and also the All-Star game. We'll talk a little bit about that as it's uh, coming up here in the next week. But um, we go back to the beginning of the week, Eddie. The Ducks uh, played Tampa Bay, uh, obviously uh, being an Eastern Coast team. It's their only visit to Anaheim. And the Ducks ended up pulling out this one 2-1, uh, to one, and they actually did it in overtime, Eddie, for just the second time this season. Yeah, and it was kind of a, a defensive game that was, that's been the trend, I guess, over the last uh week or so with the Ducks is they haven't been scoring a lot of goals, but they've been able to grind out these one goal, 2-1, one nothing type of games. And uh, yeah, finally getting one in overtime as well is nice. Obviously, we had the one earlier. Now we finally have two, and the record's starting to look a little bit better than it did before. <laughs> but it, it, was an, it was an all right win by them. I, I think Tampa Bay played a pretty strong game. The Ducks dominated in the faceoff dot. Finally got a goal on the power play too, which seemed to be the trend throughout the week. The power play is doing a little bit better. Um, and they dominated in the faceoff dot. The only guy who was any bit good for Tampa Bay in the faceoff dot was was Brian Boyle, and he was still below 50%. So that was a big key for the Ducks in this game as well. And then obviously uh, Bishop, with the mistake on the Getzloff goal, helped them out in, in the uh, second period there to get them back into it. Only uh, about 20 seconds after Philpula had scored, uh, Getzloff gets the, uh, the I guess you could say the lucky goal. I mean, I don't know what Bishop was doing. He was going over to complain to the ref, and, and Getzloff has an open cage to throw it in, which he actually almost misses, and it hits the post and goes in. <laughs> so luckily for us, it goes in. Uh, and then Raquel getting the uh, the goal in overtime, which, again, Bishop doesn't even move on. I mean, it was a great shot, to, to be fair, but Bishop looked a little bit stunned that he was able to get a, a clean shot off, and... I mean, they get the two points, which is something we haven't seen too often from them in overtime. Yeah, it was funny. Uh, this game, you know, we talked about this on the show last week about the Ducks on the power play, the issues they had, and then overtime. And then, and here you go. You have Raquel. He's, he kind of solves both problems in the same play, Eddie. He gets not only the uh, the winning goal in overtime, but he also scores on the power play. So the Ducks kind of rectify some of that in this game. Um, but this was a good game for the Ducks, like you mentioned. They played very good defensively. Um, they shut out the lightning on the power play. Uh, as I mentioned, the Ducks scored on power play. They dominated in the face-off circle. You know, the, the only thing that really that didn't go in the Ducks' favor this game was was shots on goal, Eddie. I mean, the Ducks, you know, only managed 21. But like you said, they are opportunistic, and they were able to get the two goals, that, and that was all that they needed to win this one. Yeah, and it's something that I guess we we expected to see from them at the, in the early part of the season. We didn't expect them to score a lot of goals and be bad defensively, and now they've switched into this defensive style of play, which has been successful as of late. Obviously, the, the Minnesota game is kind of an outlier, but there's a lot of things going on in that game that contributed to that. But, you know, I think it's, it's good. I think this is the play we expected them to have. The defense core is the same as last year, so now they're all starting to click. Lindholm's getting back into play. He's playing great as of late. Obviously, Fowler and, and Vatten and, and, you know, BX and everybody. Everybody seems to be clicking and playing well, which is contributing to this. And obviously, the way Gibson's played 
over his last month has been unbelievable. He's one of the best goaltenders in the league over the last month, so that's helped. But it's great to see them being able to grind out these close games. Yeah, and speaking of close games, the Ducks then uh, hosted the Colorado Avalanche, which another close game, another two to one uh, type game. And as as we noted and talked about here in the month of January, almost all the games have you know been decided by one or two goals, uh, and they've been defensive battles. But this game was kind of an interesting one because the first period the Ducks came out swinging. And, I mean, you really thought that they were going to blow Colorado out of the barn in the first period. I mean, they dominated um, the possession, the shots. Um, they just they ran into a, a, a good goalie. I mean, you know, Valarmov uh, had a groin injury. Uh, Colorado shut him down um, basically till the All-Star break they had said. So Picard came in. But, I mean, he played out of his mind in the beginning of the first period. And you thought, okay, well, what's going to happen now? And then... You go into the second period, um, and uh, <laughs> we had the uh, the glass malfunction issue, which you know that that caused uh, about a forty five minute delay in this game, and then the Avalanche came out and scored right after it, made it one nothing, and, and you thought, okay, uh, you know, kind of role reversal. The Avalanche had been playing better in the second period, but the Ducks were able to get it done in the third. Eddie, they got two goals, uh, especially a you know a late goal by Richie with uh, just over two minutes to go, and, and the Ducks were able to pull this one out 2-1. to one. Yeah, and it seemed like Colorado gained momentum from that first period, being able to sca- escape with that with uh, with no goals against. I mean, the, the Ducks had 22 shots. They shot them 22-3 to three in the first period. It's something we haven't seen from, from the Ducks often at all this season, and for them not to get a goal, it seemed to give Colorado some momentum, and like you said, they came out in the second period, and they played a lot better, and they were rewarded with a, a power play goal by Landis Coggin. I mean, you know, then there's the delay, like you said, the long delay, which we <laughs> talked about, and they ended up playing almost a half an hour um, of hockey in the third period. But, yeah, Lindholm gets a, a power play goal the second game in a row, so the power play again clicks in, in this game. And then a nice deft touch by Cachet to, to get Richie, and, and, and just a, a perfect shot, really, by Richie into the top corner, and, and the Ducks are able to squeeze this one out as well. Yeah, and for those of you that maybe weren't at the game or you didn't watch or, or whatnot, the, the way the delay went down was <laughs> it was pretty interesting. What had happened is the glass behind the Ducks' net had a, a small crack. It wasn't too bad, but it was right behind the net. So they went to replace it, and um, they brought out two different you know panels of glass to put on it, and they both didn't fit. So then uh, Phil Hewitt gets on the, uh, the PA, of course, and he announces that they were going to take the second – uh, period intermission basically halfway through the second period because it was just over 10 minutes and then they were going to play the third period uh, of 30 minutes so we're all like oh, okay you know what the heck you know we, we've talked about this before it's happened a couple times in the nhl but usually it's you know two or three minutes this, this was kind of you know a long deal and what i ended up finding out happened is they didn't have the right size glass to replace that pain so what they ended up doing is is they had to cut another piece and get it up on there and that's what took it so long but what they ended up doing is playing that 9 minutes 48 seconds then they dry scraped the ice and finished off the the uh, the game that way so that's what happened and you know it's just something that happens once in a while but uh it helped the Ducks. I mean, I think it kind of slowed down Colorado's momentum. Um, the only real bad thing that came out of this game, Eddie, was uh, Silverberg got hurt. And, and, you know, we don't know. I mean, he has upper body injury. But the way he got hit and then landed on the ice, uh, it didn't look good. 
No, and, and the way the, if you haven't seen the play, uh, I mean Zadorov is a, a big guy, and and the, that's the guy that ended up hitting Silverberg. But Silverberg tried to jump around him into the boards, and then you know Zadorov finishes the check. And the way Silverberg lands, he actually smacks his head off the ice. And and I'm not going to assume any injury. They've only announced that he has a, an upper body injury, but you know the way he lands and the way his head hits off the ice you'd have to assume it's a concussion which is obviously disappointing at, at any point of the season for any player but for the way Silverberg's been playing lately and the way that you know the the Cognano Kessler and Silverberg line has been all season it's a huge blow to the Ducks and it could be a shoulder injury it could be anything because it is just listed as upper body uh, upper body but the way his head hit off the ice that I think is probably the most worrying thing for them right now yeah, and, and you know, it definitely it's troubling because the Ducks went in to Minnesota uh, on the road who, you know, they had uh, lost to, and it was the only regulation loss the Ducks had had in the uh, month of January, and they had to do some uh, lineup juggling, Eddie, which it was kind of weird the way that they went with it. They ended up putting Shaw in uh, Soperberg's place. They actually uh, did recall uh, Theodore and Trop as well. Um, Trop did not play. Theodore came in for Holzer in this game. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the lineup, but it, it seemed okay at first. The Ducks, uh, you know, built a lead in that game. They were up three to one in the second period. Uh, then they gave up another goal, uh, you know, later in the second and, and it ended up being three to two going into the third and everything looked fine. Uh, but just like the last game they played against uh, Minnesota where they had that five minute lapse in the second period. Well, the five minute lapse happened in the beginning of the third period, unfortunately, um, Minnesota, you know, had a, a shot ring off the post, and then they scored basically three in a row, and the game was done from that point on, Eddie. Yeah, I mean, it was an interesting game. We we knew Silverberg wouldn't come in in this game, and then early on we had Richie go down with injury. We had Cogliano get hurt. We had Gibson get hurt, and, and luckily for us, you know, Cogliano, he always comes back, so he came back, and Richie came back in this game. But unfortunately, Gibson, who is now listed also with an upper body injury, was out, and Bernier had to come in in this game. Um, but you know the Ducks—they played a, a good game for about half the hockey game. They were up three to one at one point. Perry finally got uh, his goal um, in, other than an empty net goal. So his first goal that was an empty netter since December thirteenth. Uh, Fowler got a shorthanded goal. Nason grabbed a goal as well, and they were—they were playing pretty good, rebounding off the early goal by Halla. But you know, a, a bad defensive play by Vaughton and leads to a goal by Zucker, and, and then the Wild come out in the third period and just stun the Ducks and grab three goals in, in less than two minutes. And I mean, we've seen it multiple times this season. I thought it was over. I thought they weren't going to do anything like that again this season. They seemed to kind of fix that issue, but you know, the Wild just came out and, and they played a couple. Um, good minutes of hockey there and, and i mean there's not much you can do i mean the 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 suitor goal on bernie is a little bit disappointing it's from behind the line he just bounces it off the pads the the high tip from Halla, i guess there's not really much you can do on that one bernie was screened and, and there wasn't much he could do and then the zucker breakaway again is a defensive miscue and it's just disappointing i mean they had this game in the bag all they had to do was close it out and, and unfortunately uh unlike the other games this week they they weren't able to do it yeah, there was a lot going on in this game, like you talked about. Um, so many players were going in and out of this game on, on the Ducks. I mean, you saw Richie leave for a little bit. You saw uh, Cogliano leave for a little bit. They both came back. Uh, you talked about Bernier and, the, and the, the shot or the goals that he gave up. And, and you know, Gibson had to leave uh, towards the end of the, the first period there uh, with some kind of upper body injury, which, I mean, this is another killer, too. I mean, you... 
you lose Silverberg, who's playing on you know the best line the Ducks have. We all know that the Kessler line. Then you have Gibson, who's been you know red hot up to this game. The Ducks are eight one and one since New Year's Day. Um, it's a big deal, uh, and I think it was unfortunate. I, I think that I mean the outcome definitely would have been different if Gibson had played the rest of the way because um, just the way he had had been doing so far. But um, just some unfortunate breaks. I, I just think the defense did, you know, have some issues. Uh, Bernier didn't look too sharp. I mean, obviously, you know, he wasn't planned to start. But um, just a few things that just didn't go the Ducks' way, even though, you know, after 40 minutes, it looked like they might pull out another one-goal game. Yeah, and I think one thing you have to point out here, too, and, and not to really harp on one player and their mistakes in this game, but this was a very difficult game for Sammy Vaughn. And, um, you know, his mistake led to the second wild goal. He was a minus four on the night. It was just a poor game from him, and and really also a poor game from the Getzloff, Perry, and Raquel line. They were all minus three in this game, and and other than Perry's goal, there wasn't on the power play. There wasn't much they were doing right in this game, and and you know all three or all four of those players played over or near twenty minutes in this game. And when you have your most significant players not playing well and being on the ice for for that many goals against it, it you're not going to win any hockey games, and, and it's disappointing. I mean. You expect those guys to go out there and do well, but um, the Wild just came out and, and played a better third period, and, and the Ducks were, were the victims of it. Yeah, I agree. And like, and like you said, this hadn't happened in a while. The Ducks had locked down, you know, given up a bunch of goals in a short time period. You know, even uh, Carlisle called a timeout during that first five minutes, and, and it still couldn't stop uh, the bleeding, you know, so to speak. So, unfortunate the way the third period went down. Um, one good thing for the night though, is, uh, if you did go to Honda center, they did have a watch party. They had the NHL trailer there for the, uh, centennial celebration. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to go, it's an awesome experience. Um, Scott Niedermeyer was there. Gia bear was there. Tamu was there. Um, the Stanley cup was there. People were taking photos. So, well, that was one good thing. Uh, Eddie, at least fans got to go see all that, watch the game on the big screen, uh, inside Honda center, obviously, because it's been raining off and on almost every other day here in, uh, SoCal for the last couple of weeks. But, uh, uh, at least uh, the fans got to experience that despite, you know, losing in the third period. Yeah. From what I saw, it looked pretty cool too. I mean, I saw a lot of pictures of people with the Stanley cup and we saw the, um, the pictures that the Ducks put out of Timo, looking at different parts of the uh, of the the exhibit, and and then the uh, cool alumni jersey that they that he was given too, that a lot of people were talking about as well. It looked like a pretty fun event. I, I mean, it's it's always nice for for them and to to bring an event like that down to to Anaheim, and and obviously they've been traveling around to every arena for the centennial season, so it's nice for everybody down there to be able to see something like that, and and you know it. it it sucks that, of course, the watch party ended with a, a loss, but I'm sure people enjoyed the event and being able to get a picture with the Stanley Cup. Yeah, from what I heard, it, it, you know, from everybody, I nothing but positive feedback. So that that was a great experience, and if you didn't get to see it, you know, hopefully uh, you'll get to check out the Stanley Cup, uh, you know, some other time. Uh, I've been able to see it a couple times, but you know, it is difficult to uh, to view it. Usually, there's long lines as well, but uh, uh, that experience was good. Um, like we said, the Ducks didn't finish it well, and it, it kind of brings up our topics now, to, you know, some fan questions we have, and, and there's some concerns out there, too, on social media as far as the lineup and what are the Ducks going to do. Um, we just learned right now from Eric Stevens that Gibson may not practice um, before the Winnipeg game. We don't know exactly yet, but they're they're planning if he's unable to go at uh, Enroth will be called up. So there's the latest on that as far as your goalie situation. 
As far as the forward lineup and the defense, we can talk a little bit about both that. Eddie, I guess we'll go with the forwards first. Um, what did you think? You know, Silverberg out. We Again, we don't know if he'll play too in the Winnipeg game. What did you think about Shaw on that line? Um, what did you like, dislike, or, or how would you change the lineup, you know, going ahead into these uh, last two games before the All-Star break? I think he played a solid game. I mean, there wasn't much we were expecting from him being on that line. He's obviously not the creative type of player like Silverberg is. So I think we all we kind of really expected from him was just to play a solid game defensively, you know, limited turnovers, play off of uh, Kessler and Cogliano, and I think he did all right. Obviously, that line wasn't as dynamic as they normally are, and you're missing, you know, a big piece of, of that line when Silverberg's not in the lineup. But, I mean, I can understand why he was put there. I mean, I don't think they want to split up the Richie Vermette Cache line. We talked about that. Last podcast, uh, Tasha asked uh, if that line isn't going to be split up, if they're going to be a line that stays together like Cogdano, Kessler, and Silverberg. And I guess it seems that way. I mean, we probably would have expected Cache to go on that line, but now that that they've kind of gelled on that, I guess you can call it the third line for the Ducks, I think that's kind of why Shaw was picked. It was either going to be Nason or Shaw. They're both, you know, they're both right wings. Um, so I would have expected one of those two. And, and, you know, I guess Shaw had a strong game. We didn't expect him to do anything amazing. So the fact that, you know, he didn't play a terrible game, I guess, is a good thing. Yeah, I feel the same way you did. Uh, you know, he played uh, a good amount of time out there. It didn't really uh, help as far as offensively, but he didn't really make too many mistakes defensively. So it's kind of a... Uh, you know, not like a, not really a win-win, but uh, you know, he did fine. Um, I agree with you too. I think I would like to see Casse up there on that line, but as we talked about in the last podcast too, and as you just mentioned, it's kind of difficult when you've got Richie Vermette and Casse who have been playing well. So I'm wondering what they may do. I'm wondering if they may change Perry and Getzoff up. I mean, that, that's another option they could do. They could maybe put Perry uh, on that line and then uh, move somebody with Raquel. Or uh, Getzlaw, or even drop Raquel on that line. I don't know. There's there's a few different options they can do um, to change it up. Like you said, you know that Perry and Getzlaw didn't do so well the last game, and we've talked about them being split up too as well uh, throughout the season because they've you know been off. I mean, they did a little bit better this week. You know, Getzlaw had a goal, even though it was kind of a gift, as you had mentioned, and, and Perry scored as well. Um, so those are some things I would look to see if maybe they'll change up if Silverberg can't come back, as if they're not going to put Casse up on there. Uh, Camarosa, any of those guys move move him up and switch Cognato around in his spot. Maybe they break up that other line, Eddie. I mean, that's really the only other option unless they stick with Shaw on that line. I think they'll probably stick with Shaw on that line. I think what they like what they see from the gets off for Kellen Perry line. Obviously, like I said, last game it didn't play out that well for them. Uh, they were minus three other than the power play goal. There wasn't much going on, but I think they want to try and keep the chemistry going. Um, so keeping Vermat, Richie, and Cassier together is good. Keeping Raquel gets off and Perry just to build that chemistry and hopefully continue to roll these three like lines out every night and and build the chemistry closer on and, and towards the playoffs. So I think they can do that. I I'm hoping Silverberg isn't out long term. They're saying day to day, but if it is a concussion, like we said, you never know how long it can actually take. Um, obviously he's not on the road trip with the Ducks, so hopefully when they come back and play Edmonton, you know, we get a better update of, of where he is in, in his road to recovery. So we'll have to wait and see. But I think if, you know, going into these next two games, they probably keep the lines close to similar. Maybe Nason checks up on, on the line with 
uh, Raquel and uh, sorry with Cogliano and Kessler and, and maybe switching things up there because he did score a goal on um, against Minnesota. But that fourth line has also looked pretty good, so it'll be interesting to see how they work it. And you've also got Corey Trop who was just called up, so he might get a shot to play on that line as well. Yeah, that's what I want to at least see on the fourth line, and I, I think a lot of people out there will agree with you and me, Eddie, is that uh, we'd rather see Bowl on the bench and see Trop in there. I'd rather him, you know, get a chance um, to play on that line, and then, like you said, either they they'll probably keep Shaw on the second line, or maybe they switch Nason and Shaw around. We'll see how it goes, but that's what I'm looking for on the forward lineup. Um, obviously, there'll be some more updates as the week progresses before the uh, the Winnipeg game, and that can obviously affect this, as as we, you all know. So, with that, you know, kind of look at the defense now. A lot of people were really concerned with Votnin after that game uh, against the Wild, Eddie. You know, um, on social media, a lot of fans were upset um, how he wasn't playing well um, and using some other uh, you know terms and whatnot to describe his play. But uh, you know, to me, um, it was a bad game. I don't think he's played terrible the whole season, but um, what's your take as far as you know the Ducks' defense? They they seem to be playing pretty well. This last game was kind of an anomaly in this uh, the month of uh, you know January outside the uh, the Philly game. Yeah, they've been playing pretty well of late. I mean, like you said, last game was kind of an anomaly, and a lot of people got on Fontenin, and I think that was mostly because the the clear, obvious giveaway that led to to the wild second goal, and then you look at the stat line after the game, and he was a minus four, and even just looking during the game, he was kind of struggling, but a lot of people are struggling in that game, and you can't really just put it on one player. Fontenin's had an okay season. I mean, if we weren't looking at his previous seasons in this play last year and, and comparing it to that you would say he's having a pretty good season you know 17 points in 46 games isn't bad he's a plus two I mean he's not playing terrible he's got 11 power play points which is actually sorry 11 power play yeah 11 power play points which is the same as Fowler so he's doing well on the power play as well um but I, I don't know I mean I think he's been doing well as of late and the Ducks defense as a, as a whole has been doing well but Again, with the trade deadline coming up and with all the trade rumors, I mean, his name is thrown in there now, especially with the way he's been struggling over the last game, and a lot of fans are just jumping on somebody, just looking for somebody really to to hate, I guess. It, it, it's hard to say, but they're looking for somebody to hate, so then when they move, it's not a big deal. And, I mean, I don't think he deserves that. I think he's been good, but, I mean, somebody's going to have to eventually move if the Ducks are going to look to make a deal. Yeah, and, and we've talked about that. You know, I've talked about uh, you know trading Botnin, and that was one of the the names that had come up. You know, a couple weeks ago, as far as the Ducks' defense, and I had mentioned that because you have Theodore down there, you have Montour down there, you have other younger guys that can come up. So if the Ducks were, you know, if you were forced to pick somebody out of the group, that's who I would pick. And and that's outside of last night's game. I don't even you know even count that. I mean, yeah, he he didn't play well, but I mean, as far as my opinion, it was formed a few weeks ago. That's the way I lean. And you know what's interesting too about that game against minnesota is the gm for boston was there bob sweeney um so that's you know come up and he's looking for defense eddie so he may be looking at the ducks of the wild here for a trade yeah and i mean if you look at if you're looking for a young defenseman in the league i mean these are the this is the game you want to go to because both of these teams have a boatload of young defensemen and are, are looking to move one so they don't lose one at the uh the trade deadline i'm sorry at the expansion draft so I mean, it's it's an obvious game for him to attend, and we don't know if he was there looking at Ducks players, if he was there looking at specifically Wild players, or if he was there uh, to take in either team. But uh, it, it's it's interesting. I, I don't know if the, a trade between the Bruins or the Ducks would really work. 
Um, but like you said, the the Bruins are looking for a defenseman. Every time a defenseman comes uh, name gets brought up, the Bruins are in the discussion. Shattenkirk's name has been brought up lately uh, by a couple guys at TSN, and the Bruins have been in the mix apparently for for him as well. So, if the Ducks are looking to move a guy like Votnin or Theodore or Montour, you you can bet your you know you can be certain that the Bruins are going to be looking um, or be inquiring about the availability of any of those players. So, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I, I mean. I'm not too sure what the Bruins would be willing to give up. Obviously, you can think of a couple guys off the top of your head that won't be moving, and, and that'd be like David Pasternak, obviously Brad Marchand, and the top players along their team. And other than that, I mean, you look at maybe a guy like Ryan Spooner, um, but it, it's just tough for for me to think of a deal that really works right now. You'd, I kind of guess I'd have to look into it a little bit more. But uh, as for other trades, I mean, there was a, an article that got released lately, and the I think it was the Chicago, the Chicago Times said that the uh, the Blackhawks were inquiring about the availability of Thomas Tatar and Gustav Nyquist. So again, these two guys' name pop up, and we've talked about them all during the offseason, a little bit during this season, and on po- the possibility of them coming to the Ducks. So it's interesting to see their two names pop up again. Yeah, I, I think out of the teams that you're mentioning, I think they're all going to be involved, you know, this trade deadline. I, I definitely think Detroit... Um, is still going to be, you know, maybe not as much as we talked about before because the issues that they had prior to the season haven't been as bad. But, you know, they could be ones that would move. Uh, we talked about Colorado. Uh, obviously, Boston now in the mix with the appearance of the GM last night, whether it's the Ducks or uh, the Wild, we're not 100% sure. But you've got all those involved. And, of course, Chicago is always involved, you know, because they're, you know, uh, in it and the playoffs, it seems like, every year. Um, so it's going to be, you know, crazy. I think uh, once the All Star Game's done, and the month of February rolls around, uh, you know, the trade deadline's towards the end of the month. You're going to see a lot of things happen. Uh, you know, for the Ducks, uh, another little update too. Uh, Nate Thompson um, was practicing with the team uh, this week. Um, he's getting closer to coming back too, so that's going to, you know, create some issues for the Ducks as well as far as making a move. You know, they're going to have to send uh, somebody down, whether it's. Um, you know, Shaw, Nason, you know, somebody's going to have to go back down, um, likely. Uh, you know, hopefully if the Ducks stay healthy, you know, knock on wood, which, you know, it's kind of been, unfortunately, what happened this last um, ga- uh, two games of the Ducks losing some key people, um, which, you know, that may or may not affect things. We hope Gibson is not long-term, and same thing with Silverberg. Um, we just, you know, don't have a definitive answer yet. But that, too, could affect what the Ducks do in this next month, Eddie, as far as um, doing trades and whatnot. They may try to push back on um, Detroit again to make a move because, you know, Detroit was looking for a defenseman before. You know, not sure if they still would do that. But there's a lot of uh, moving parts, basically. And I think that these injuries uh, play a big factor, too, in what the Ducks are going to do in the next, uh, you know, four or five weeks. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, if Silverberg is long term, I would expect them to push for a forward even more than they are now. But you look at their play as of late, and and the the goal scoring has kind of been limited lately. And I think that, at least in my opinion, would ramp up uh, their search for a top line forward or a top six forward, and, and to increase their their goal scoring. And I mean, they have the depth. We've you know, Pierre LeBron came out and said you can only hoard talent like this for so long. And, and I mean, they've got. The, the defensemen they have in the lineup right now, plus the, like the guys who aren't in the lineup, you said Montour as well, Jakob Larson, Che Theodore, and then Fowler, Votnin, Manson. Uh, I mean, you have so many guys that on any other team you would expect Theodore and, and Montour to start. So eventually, you know, you got to move one of these guys and make your team better. And I think this season, 
if of any season has to be the season where they make a trade to to improve the offense and if it happens i don't know but i mean he's right i mean you can only hoard these guys for so long you can only you can only hide them in the minors for for so long i mean next season we expect theodore to to be up here full-time I mean, we even said that this season and he's not up here full-time and the way Montour has played in, in the AHL and it's only a matter of time before he's up here and you know Jacob Larson started the season with the Ducks and he'll get a shot next year so I mean it's it's a matter of time before you're gonna have to move someone if it's at the deadline then great then Ducks get another piece to help them push for a Stanley Cup or if it's not then then it's most likely at the draft Exactly. And then that's what we're going to, you know, keep our eye on for the next couple of weeks. Uh, and, you know, Eddie, you talk about uh, players down in San Diego. We have a little bit of an update, too. Casilla scored a crazy goal this last week. We've kind of seen this before, this uh, lacrosse-type goal. And uh, we also have the uh, the San Diego announcer, Craig Elston, that, that calls this goal. And he gets really ramped up about this, too. Um, so uh, we're going to play that for you for a, uh, for a little bit. And then we'll uh, talk about the play, Eddie. Dasher for Kozula. Kozula with Gortz in that front. Stops, waits, holds. Oh, he put it in! He did it! He did it! The Michigan play! Wow! He put it on his blade! He lifted it up! Lacrosse style! He took it in! We're going back to Cali! We're going to Sports Center for the goal of the year! I'll tell you what, they better be showing that on da 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 Watch this play, Cali Kosala. He lifts it on his stick, takes it, puts it top. <laughs> Half the building doesn't know what just happened there. Cali Kosala just performed hockey magic in front of a crowd of 12-9-20. One of the most spectacular goals you would see in the national, American, Swedish, Russian, British, Kazakhstan. There is no country that would not bow to the greatness of that goal. Unbelievable! Oh, by the way, an eight-game point streak, and the girls are going to win it tonight, baby. <laughs> uh, you know, I really wish Craig would have got more excited. I mean, God, he was so boring in that goal call. I mean, sheesh. Uh, you know, this <laughs> is a crazy. It, it was a crazy goal. If you didn't get a chance to see it, the goals put it up on their Twitter uh, when they beat uh, the San Jose Barracuda five to one. Um, but I mean, and, and Craig got a little bit of flack for that. And I had met Craig in person. He's a great person. And you know what? I, I just thought it was hilarious. Eddie, I mean, it was a pretty crazy, uh, uh goal call. I think maybe I should talk to Phil and, and tell him to ramp it up a little <laughs> <laughs> in the moment. I can understand why I got so excited, but just some of the sound bites on that are great. The, the, best play in the national american russian kazakhstan <laughs> that was, a, that was an, a legendary call there that was great i mean it was just amazing goal too it's the first time i've seen that since granlin scored the same goal in the world juniors way back i think it's like almost five years ago now and, and ennis actually tried the same thing for the sabers a, a couple weeks ago so I mean, it's it's great. It, it's fun to see. Uh, I mean, they it wasn't a, a important goal in that game, like you said. They won that game five one, but that's got to be goal of the year down in the AHL this season. And and it's it, it's been great to see how well he's played. I mean, he, we we signed him from St. Cloud, I believe, in, in the NCAA, and he's come over and he's p- p- put up almost a point per game in, in the AHL this season. So it's great to see him do well, and, and obviously great to see the the goals do well this season. 
Yeah, I mean that that was hilarious. You know, I think we should either start or end our podcast with na 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 Those sound effects in there too were hilarious. I mean, oh god, that was that was funny. But no, I mean, like you said, yeah, it's it's good to see the goals doing good uh, and the players that you know are coming up. And even though we've been talking about all the injuries on the show uh, that just happened this last week, that's that's one thing that you got to look at the Ducks and you got to be happy with uh, the organization is the way that they have really developed their uh, minor league players and the system, the draft and all of that. Um, I mean, we're in a position to make moves, you know, and we talked about, we've been talking about trades the last, you know, probably three, four podcasts now um, in the Ducks lineup when we go over, you know, the options and the things that the Ducks have. And, you know, if you're a Ducks fan, you have to be very happy with this team in the sense that they have a lot of options. I mean, we knew the Ducks were going to have to lean on the, on the goals this season. We weren't sure how it was going to pan out. But if you look at it right now, Eddie, and, and I know we kind of talk about it as a curse, you know, the Ducks are still in first in the Pacific. I mean, it, it's a tight race. They're only up on a point now. They've got some, you know, critical um, games, obviously, in the second half of the season. I mean, they're also going to be playing the Oilers here coming up before the All-Star break, which is going to be um, a really big game. But in terms of organizational depth, and, and the way that this uh, team is run, uh, you know, from the NHL to the HL, you've got to be very impressed with the way that management's uh, handled this organization. It's never a bad thing either to to have this type of death. It's actually a good thing because when you're looking to make a deal, I, I mean, you have a plethora of defensemen, young defensemen that you're able to, to use as trade pieces. And obviously it's disappointing to have to eventually lose one of them, but... If you have the ability to make a move like that with a quality player to get a quality player in return and make yourself better, I mean, it's never a bad thing. And obviously, it'll be unfortunate if, if anybody eventually leaves, whether it's Votnin or Fowler or Theodore Montour, Larson. You know, I don't want to specula- speculate about who's leaving and who's not, but if one of them does leave, obviously, it's going to be unfortunate, but the player we bring in is going to make this team better. And I think that's the important thing. Uh, whether we see it happen now or at the draft, and it will be for next season, who knows? But I, I think that's the key thing to think. You look at the depth that the Ducks have here and with the goals, it, it's important that they have that and are able to make a move with it. Exactly. The depth that the Ducks have in the organization is, is very, very uh, good. So at least we've got options, you know, despite some of the, the uh, injuries and things that have happened, um, you know, this season. Uh, you know, the Ducks, they're going to finish out here. they got two more games before the All-Star break. Um, we just found out too that from the uh, the Jets coach that Laleen and Stafford aren't going to be in the game tomorrow against uh, Winnipeg, um, so that may help the Ducks out a little bit, Eddie. And then of course they're going to have the showdown with the Oilers, who have been right on you know the Ducks behind, so to speak, uh, you know, in this month of January. Yeah, I mean Winnipeg's always a tough matchup. I mean they're a big physical team. Uh, they've been playing okay this season they're playing in a tough division let's be honest i mean you've got the the wild the blues you've got the even colorado i mean how bad they've been you've still got the stars in that nashville i mean it's all the central division is probably the toughest division in hockey next to the metro division so it's going to be a tough game and obviously not them not having stafford not having line a that's going to be tough uh for them that's a, a big key of their offense especially with patrick line a not being in it but they've still got some key players. You've got Nikolai Ellis, who's played good for them this season. Shifley's played great. You've still got Dustin Bufflin there, uh, Wheeler as well. So it's going to be a, a tough game. I think the goaltending has been struggling for them this season. But you know, we remember from the playoffs playing at, uh, at Winnipeg. It's a, it's a tough environment to play in. So it's going to be an interesting game. It's always fun watching those games in Winnipeg, too. The fans there are nuts, so it's going to be a fun game to watch. 
Yeah, I mean, and the Ducks are going to have to, you know, hopefully win these last two because, I mean, you look at the Pacific Division. I mean, it's it's pretty tight. You know, you've got San Jose fighting it out in there too as well. Um, and, you know, even though the Kings are kind of a, a little bit down the standings, you know, they're st- still not going away. Um, you know, they've been ri- relying on uh, Budai. And, uh, you know, even though uh, Kopitar has not quite had the season they expected, um, they're still in the mix, too. So you only have a couple teams, you know, really out of it. Obviously, we've, we've talked about Colorado in the conference. We've talked about it, um, Arizona being out of it. Um, but you never know uh, with the way that this division can pan out any of these teams. I mean, even Calgary, Vancouver have been playing as well. They can jump in there, too, in the wild card spot. Um, you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a battle for that wild card spot. I, I just hope that the Ducks you know, finishing the top three. Uh, that's my, my big thing. We've talked about this before, Eddie. They've been in first, you know, the last four times. We know what's happened with that. There's no need going over that. But um, the way that they're playing now, I, I think that they'll finish, you know, hopefully in that top three spot, stay healthy, and, you know, just roll from there into the playoffs. Yeah, and you look at the standings right now, I mean, it would take a breakdown, I think, from one of these top three teams here, being the, the Ducks, the Oilers, and the Sharks. It would take a breakdown for one of them to really fall out of that top three. Uh, I mean, yes, there is Calgary, Vancouver, uh, and uh, L.A. chipping at their heels, but they're all kind of down there. We saw the Oilers thrash Calgary 7-3 to last night. The Sharks have been playing well lately. The Ducks have been playing well lately, and, and really the Kings have been struggling. Other than Jeff Carter, they they haven't been able to get much offense going this season. So it, it really is up to those three teams, and, and this, big, this game on Wednesday here is a, a really big game for the Pacific Division, Division standings, how they are right now, because it, it is the Ducks and the Oilers uh, up there in, in the top two, and the Sharks are up there as well. So it's going to be an important game, and, and I don't know what the last time we've really seen a Ducks and Oilers game be important for the standings. Usually in the last few seasons, it's been a game where, yeah, it's an important four-point game, but the Oilers are in last place, and it doesn't matter. But you know they finally started to get things going this season, and uh, I mean, it's going to be a key game for the Ducks. And the way the Oilers are playing right now, it's probably going to be the toughest game of the week. Yeah, I agree, and that's for sure. And then, you know, after that, the uh, All-Star game will be upon us. Um, I do have a little bit of update. The the uh, mascots are going to have some stuff going on before the game. Uh, I've got some info. I don't have all of the schedule in front of me at the moment, but I'm going to put out a little bit article on it. I've got some things to compile for you guys, and that way you can uh, look at it and kind of get involved in that. We can kind of pump up Wild Wing uh, for some of the, the pre-All-Star uh, festivities and then of course on the uh, weekend will be the skills competition and then uh, uh, the all-star game with uh, Kessler and Fowler going to that and uh, Eddie you want to talk a little bit about the format I think it's going to be you know a little bit similar to last uh, all-star game any little changes or updates yeah it's a, it's a little bit similar I mean the like you said the all-star skills competition is on the 28th which is Saturday and it's at 7 Eastern 4 Pacific um, and they're starting it out this year with a I guess because it's in L.A., they're starting out with an NHL All-Star Celebrity Shootout. We've seen this in the NBA All-Star Game where they have the the, all, the celebrity game where you know Kevin Hart's been there and, and, and a couple other celebrities have been there, and they always have that game. And it looks like they're kind of doing the same thing. And the way they've described it here is this is prior to the skills competition. It's at 2.15 Pacific, and it's NHL legends will face celebrities from the world of movies, television, and music in the 2017 NHL All-Star Celebrity Shootout. So that'll be something fun before the All-Star, uh, before the skills competition that we can see. It's something different we haven't seen, and, and it makes sense, I guess, with the All-Star game being in L.A. Uh, other than that, they have six 
uh, competitions in the the uh, skill competition this season. They've got the relay, uh, which we've seen. It's a little bit different this year. They have a. I'm not too sure how they the events they have, but it looks like they have one timers, uh, puck control, stick handling, uh, goalie goals, a couple different things in that one. Uh, they've got what they're calling the Honda NHL Four Line Challenge. Um, and that looks like it's a new event. They're shooting pucks from the near blue line, center line, far blue line, and far goal line. And it's kind of similar to the, the you know, in between intermission events you see at hockey games where they shoot the puck into the small hole. And that seems to be the style event they're doing for that one. And then the next four, the ones we see pretty much every year, you've got accuracy shooting, fastest skating, hardest shot, and the uh, the shootout. So those are the six events that they're having for the, the skills competition. And then it looks like the winner of the skills competition has the ability to set their games and matchups for the All-Star game, which takes place the next day on the 29th. Um, and it says the winners of each uh, semifinal game will face off and the winner take all again, like last year, gets a million dollars and it's three on three again. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that that works out. Obviously, we've got the captains already. Carey Price is uh, captain of the Atlantic. PK is captain of the Central Division. Crosby is the Metro. And Connor McDavid of the Pacific Division. So it'll be fun to watch that and also to see what events that Kessler and Fowler take place in. Yeah, it'll be a good weekend, uh, you know, to check check out all the events, like you said, um, that are going on. We'll be posting up, like I mentioned, some things about the schedule and whatnot. Uh, in relation to the mascots and and some of the all-star festivities so check out that it'll be out in the next couple days and um, we'll try to have a podcast uh, maybe right after the all-star game with uh, more of our staff we'll kind of talk about uh, you know the whole weekend and maybe just the season in general uh, as well as take a you know some fan questions so with that we'll be back in a week hopefully the ducks uh, you know finish out uh, the january uh, with two wins before the all-star game And we'll be back to talk about it all. So let's go Ducks.